Broadcasting from the ESPN Radio Studios in Tallahassee, Florida, and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com Podcasting Network, this is the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast with Tom Lang. Two down and one to go. The Robin is almost all the way around. This is the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast. Part of the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network brought to you all tournament long by our great friends at Bill Curry Ford. My name is Tom Lang, and we have a lot to get to today. So little time, so much to talk about. What are we going to get into? Well, the obvious. Since we last spoke, the Tampa Bay Lightning played two of the three-round Robin games, one against the Washington Capitals, another against the Boston Bruins. Identical 3-2 finals, but very different the way we got there. And uh, obviously, there's one more round-robin game to go. That will be Saturday against the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, that game, the start time, the puck drop, is yet to be determined. There's still best of fives out there. Are they going to be continuing, or will some teams have been eliminated already? So we don't know when we're going to start our third game, but we have seen, hopefully everybody has, the first two. And we've got some thoughts on those. I know I do. That's what we're going to get to right off the bat here is a recap of the games as they happened. First of all, four points were available to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Between the last time we spoke and this morning, Thursday, August 6th, Tampa Bay procured all four of those points. Good, 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 good. I can tell you that um, in watching the best of five series, the two teams I'd like to avoid, one of them is going to sound kind of funny to you. The two teams I'd like to avoid are Carolina That's not the funny one. They swept the Rangers. The Rangers were there for a week in the bubble, and then goodbye. And Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh is down 2-1 to in their series right now. Montreal holds a 2-1 to edge. That's a 12 seed over a 5. In the NCAA basketball tournament, you always got to be wary of the 5-12. Will it be so in hockey as well? We'll see. But Pittsburgh, with all their firepower, is still quite formidable. And if they can get into that best-of-seven series, and, and if Tampa Bay finished fourth, In the round-robin standings, you'd be locked in with the Pens. As it stands right now, Tampa Bay cannot finish fourth in the round-robin standings. So that's good. Pittsburgh is an opponent that we simply cannot face. Montreal closes out Pittsburgh, and we win on Saturday. That would be our opponent, would be the 12-seed Les Habitants. But the Washington game, here's where I go first. A 3-2 shootout win for Tampa Bay, and I have here written in my notes of my phone... I didn't want the Boston result to uh, take over everything in my memory bank. So I've got some notes. I'm going to run through all of those. Then I'm going to follow up with observations of the Boston game. We're going to talk about some general storylines that you could piece together from the Boston performance, from the Washington performance earlier in the week. We're going to break, and then we're going to do the Great Bolt breakdown in the second segment, which is a quick look at the entirety of the roster, everybody who's played a game so far, and my thoughts on all of those players. Then maybe some storylines about the Stanley Cup playoffs and Steven Stamkos. So here we go. Round number one, that is Tampa Bay, Washington. First of all, what a game. I was listening to Sirius XM's NHL radio this morning, and they had uh, Bruce Boudreaux on, and he was talking about how, you know, watching all of the games across both bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. Some games have been terribly sloppy. See Edmonton, Chicago. That series has been just rank with defensive miscues, poor goaltending, sloppy play. 
He said, but the gold standard game so far in this tournament is not an elimination game, not a best of five series, but it was Tampa Bay, Washington in the round robin. And if you watched it, you know exactly why the former hockey head coach said just that. Because it was a slugfest. These two teams have an eye towards each other down the road. You could tell that they wanted to leave a lasting impression on the other dressing room before it was over. The hits were up. The scrums were up. The battle was up. The blood was boiling. It looked very much like a playoff game. I know Coach Cooper afterwards said this isn't the playoffs. This isn't a real playoff game. He's wrong. It was. That was 100% the type of battle that you see in a standard Stanley Cup playoff type game. And it was a, a freaking ton of fun to watch. I had to watch my language there. Tampa plays a really heavy game in a different way. There is no doubt when you watch us play Washington, we are the smaller of the two teams. But the thing that I was so very impressed by was our dogged pursuit of the puck, our willingness to make simple plays, to cycle, to get the puck on net and hope for a rebound, to create traffic in areas, and to shrink the gap between Washington when they have the puck trying to get out of their own zone and put pressure on them to make an accurate pass. That is the definition of Tampa Bay Lightning heavy hockey. It's something that I didn't touch on last week, but we saw a lot of from about Christmas time on to the end of the regular season. We are playing a different brand. There were some growing pains. There was a hangover. The first 2025 games of the 1920 season, right? The first 2025 games featured a lot of growing pains where we were trying to change the way we would exit our zone. We're trying to change the way we forecheck in the opposition zone. We were trying to change the way we pursue the puck and the physicality we use in pursuit of the puck. We have been a finesse team. We've been a speed team with a little bit of grit here and there but typically it was reserved for the third and fourth lines. We're doing a much better job of challenging you as our opponent night in and night out. And by the time you got into mid-January, early February, you could see it. We were playing a playoff-ready game. Were the games in January and February the type that we're about to see in the next few weeks? They were not. But even on the way to 62 wins last season, we didn't play a heavy brand of hockey. We've gotten so much better in that regard now, and this was an exceptional test for us because that's what Washington specializes in. You know, Washington is one of the afterthoughts. Even though they're in the round robin, people are talking about Boston heading into the tournament. The Lightning were the odds-on favorite in all the media polls with national writers, uh, and Vegas for that matter. People were talking about St. Louis, the defending cup champion. They are talking about Colorado, Pittsburgh's healthy. Washington is over there, kind of off to the side. But, boy, do they have the pedigree. Some of their players are quite dirty. We know about Tom Wilson. Their fourth line was, I mean, it was BS, the amount of hacks they were taking at us, the clutching and the grabbing. But it was important for us to rise to that moment and to see if we could steal Washington's will. And I'll be honest, I thought we did steal Washington's will in the second period of this game. The penalty on Braden Point is a load of crap. The game is 2-1 to one at that point. With all the clutching and the grabbing going on in that hockey game, for that call to happen in which a fourth liner dives, Braden Point barely puts his arm on him, and the referee 
puts his arm to the sky because, of course, and there's a penalty called on the bolts, that was garbage. Because up to that point, even including Washington's flukish first goal, and we'll get to Vasilevsky later. Don't, don't worry about that. We'll talk about him. We had taken Washington's will away. The ice had been tilted for the better part of two full periods at 45-degree angle down towards Washington's goal line. We owned that game. The first message was ours to send, and we sent it. This is a different Tampa Bay Lightning team if they play like that in the postseason because you're going to combine the skill that we have with a little bit of will. Remember back in 2004, if you can, if you were there, if you were a Lightning fan at the time, the Tampa Bay Lightning of that era were the most skilled team in the National Hockey League. There was no question. We rolled three lines deep of scores. We had 20 goal scores left and right in a time where it was a lot harder to score than it is now. And the Calgary Flames, our opponent, were a team with will-laden players. Tons of guys who were willing to pay the price, so to speak. You hear John Tortorella, other coaches talk about that, people on the broadcast, willing to pay the price. And we nearly lost because of it. Will versus skill. Let's blend those two together. And if you think that's me making too much out of one game against Washington, let me tell you this. Listen to every one of the broadcasters and national analysts. Listen to John Cooper at the end of the game. They're all talking about how in the past, maybe it would have been a pushover situation when Washington rallies to tie the game. Maybe we would get discouraged in those moments. But now, we're fighting back. We're fighting fire with fire. We're fighting thunder with lightning. We have the heaviness to our game. And while it might not be as board-rocking as what Washington does, it most certainly is something that you could see wear on the opponent because of the pressure we put on them and the consistency of our effort when we're playing our top level of hockey. It is much better to watch as a fan uh, of the old style of the playoffs, the old Eastern Conference. I enjoy this brand of hockey more than I do, say, uh, the Russian Five, Detroit Red Wings, um, you know, make the pretty plays and the fancy passes and your power play looks gorgeous. That works too. It's fun in its own right, but I like it when you can grind somebody down to where you could see they're, set, they're thinking twice before they get rid of the puck. Or they look flustered when the puck is on their stick. And we're doing a much better job of that. Now, did we win the game in regulation? No. Were there some bad moments in the third period? Absolutely. But that was the type of title fight that I think is it's like a sneak preview. It's the comic book movie where the, the hero and the villain see each other. It's a half an hour into the movie, so you know nothing real is going to happen. But it's setting the stage for the bigger meeting down the road. If you were to ask me who are the teams that look like when they play their best are going to be there in the East when it's all being decided, Tampa Bay and Washington would be those two teams. Other observations from the Tampa-Washington game. Uh, Victor Hedman's first game back. He was a little bit slow. He said it himself that he got better as the game went on. I mostly agree with that. Uh, but his feet, they were a little heavy, which is to be expected. He was flailing at the puck a little bit from his upper body. Didn't want to lift his feet. That, that just game speed is something you cannot duplicate. He'll get better as time goes along. But he looked a little bit slow. Uh, Braden Point was our best player by far. This is something that we saw in the Florida game, the exhibition up in the bubble a little bit earlier last week, was that Braden Point looks healthy shot out of a cannon. 
He does. That that's what he looked like. And in this Washington game, he owned the ice. He was everywhere. He did everything. He created plays. He changed possession. And by that I mean if he had the puck in the offensive zone, he'd get all the way down the ice. Uh, or sorry, in the defensive zone, rather, he'd get all the way down the ice and he'd get the puck deep into Washington's zone. We would uh, maintain possession and we would flip the script of a shift. We changed the momentum of a shift. He also backchecked. Um, that's what he does. He's a great defensive forward, but he backchecked like a mofo. Uh, just an outstanding effort from Braden Point. Uh, Washington clearly circled Anthony Sorelli in this game, 71. Uh, Tony C took a lot of beatings. A couple of them were his own fault because he took runs at Alex Ovechkin, and and for as tough as Anthony is, he's not that big. I don't know if he'll ever be dense enough to really take on Ovi. But there was clearly extra attention paid to Anthony Sorelli by Washington. Anytime they could get a hit on him, one of those half-step too late hits, kind of like the uh, the old quarterback hits of the 1990s, they took a run at Tony C. I don't know if there's a word out that he doesn't fight back as much or there's word out that you can test him and affect his game by playing him a little bit tougher. Uh, but I saw that also in the Boston game. Uh, Tony C is demanding, commanding extra attention, both physically and also the scrums after the whistle. He doesn't start all of them. In fact, he doesn't start most of them, but he's in the middle of many of them. So we'll see if that's something that continues uh, into the best of seven next week when we find out our opponent. Uh, like I said before, through about the late part of the second period, the puck was almost always in Washington's zone. I just We took it to them. We looked ready to go. Uh, I was just so impressed. Uh, Vasilevsky and a couple of fumbly moments uh, fl helped flip the script of that game, as did a, a terrible, terrible call against Tampa Bay. Washington didn't, or Tampa Bay didn't have a true power play in this game. Um, I thought for all the clutching and grabbing that Washington got away with, if that's the way it's going to be officiated in a best of seven advantage Washington, there were times where they clearly obstructed our path to making easy plays and they weren't making a play on the puck themselves. It did not go penalized. That was frustrating. You know, again, I, I, Mitchell Stevens is a player. I said this on Twitter. Mitchell Stevens is a player. I, I feel like you have to find a way to get into the lineup. You know, we know what our top players look like. We know that Kucherov and Point are making beautiful, sweet music together, and Andre Pilat is a fixture on that line for the moment until Stamkos comes back. We know that uh, Tyler Johnson and Coleman are going to be there, and they're going to be regular fixtures. Uh, Alex Kalorn, of course, is going to be there with the career year he's having. But what about filling out the lower half of the roster and who stands out? For me, Mitchell Stevens has done a wonderful job of making the most of his opportunities. He did so before the COVID break, and he's doing so after the COVID break. He's got great instincts in the defensive zone. Uh, in the offensive zone, he makes the simple plays. You know, sometimes 15 more seconds in the offensive zone is all you need because what it does is it forces Washington, as they're breaking out, to come to the red line. Either one of their puck carriers is, is going to take it into the zone all by himself, or they're just going to stop at the red line, dump it in, and change. And 15 seconds can make all the difference in the world, and Mitchell understands that. Maybe there'll be a time down the road where it's his job to score goals and play 18, 20 minutes a night. I doubt that's the case, that he'll ever get there, but it certainly is not the case now. Your job is to be a grinder, and he's done a really good job of that. He's winning us some key defensive zone draws. He's back-checking well. He anticipates like somebody who's been in the league two or three years longer. For my money, uh, Barclay Goodrow, who had a better night against uh, the Boston Bruins, 
I would let Mitchell draw in over Barclay if if Steven Stamkos is, in fact, healthy and ready to go for the best of seven. He he makes more impactful plays in the game. His 10 minutes are more productive than Goudreau's 14 or 15. And that's all Mitchell played was the minimum amount. But uh, I, I really liked his game. And, and I continue to see impressive things. He's not flustered by the moment. It's like watching Anthony Sorelli a couple of years ago when he debuted in Dallas. He thought, oh, well, isn't that great for the kid? He scores in his first night in the NHL. He's going to get sent back down to the AHL. And then he just decided, no, you know what, guys? I'm going to demand that you play me every single night. I'm seeing some similar things out of Stevens. That is the report on game one, which is, again, it's a shootout victory. I don't look at the overtime. I don't look at the shootout. I see it as a 2-2 game after 60 minutes. Because when we play games that truly matter in the best of seven, that's what it's going to look like. A regular playoff overtime. Five on five, no shootout. So that part of the result is irrelevant to me. But I'm glad we got the two points. It puts us in better position for seating purposes uh, down the line. Now, yesterday's game with Boston. You could see it. You could see it really quickly. Boston, in the first period, didn't know what to do with us. We have been a truck driving down I-10, 275, wherever you like, either Tallahassee or Tampa Bay. We've been going 80 miles an hour, and we're not stopping for anybody. Either you get up to speed with us or you're going to get run over. Boston got run over in the first period yesterday. They did not know what hit them. You saw the resistance was not nearly as high from the Bruins as it was with Washington. Washington bowed up a little bit. It took Boston some time. And we overwhelm them in the first period. We get off to a good start. couple of deflectors. You get in, you're up to a 2-0 lead. The second period, Boston style started to win out a little bit, which is what? A ton of whistles, disjointed nature of the game. They beat our brains in on, in the faceoff circle, and it felt like we hardly had the puck. Here's where it gets interesting to me. I wonder if the first period, the way we played it and, and the lead we asserted ourselves, and the flow of the game. I wonder if we got a little complacent again. This is something I'll always be overly sensitive to because in years past, if you haven't listened to this podcast, I believe that there is a culture of complacency with this coaching staff. I believe that they let off the gas and they don't demand the best out of our players night in, night out. And, and there's a lot of, well, we'll get them tomorrow in our attitude. If we've truly changed, that culture of complacency is going to go out the window. And you're going to see it this postseason. I allow for the the fact that Boston is, at least in the regular season standings, the best team in hockey this season. And so they're going to control the flow of the game. The other team is trying hard too. I get that. And at times they're going to command the game and they're going to take it to you. But there were some times yesterday in the second period where I thought we didn't want to lift our feet and, and pay that price to make some plays. And so what was an A-plus first period was met and followed up by a, a D plus C minus second period. You've got to bring that consistency of effort. I thought we were a little bit lazy. And and Coach Cooper said a couple of things in, in his postgame press conferences that indicate to me that they're not they don't look at at the round robin as they will a best of seven. Well, I just hope that we instill the right habits in our guys. We were off to such a good start against Florida, who didn't look prepared and Washington, who looked like deer in the headlights for the first part of the game, especially that second period. I was hoping that was our new normal. And we had a blip on the radar. 
we had a blip in the radar in the second period. Third period, I thought uh, Boston controlled the most of it. Uh, the final six, seven minutes of it, we did a really, really good job, and, and we take the two points. That's a greasy goal. Good job, Yanni Gord. That is a shot pass off the left pad of Tuka Rask that puts Tyler Johnson in position to score. Um, we had started to take some momentum about that final TV timeout in the third period. That line of, of, of Point and Kucherov had a couple of good shifts finally. They had broken through. I think Boston does a wonderful job of bottling up Nikita Kucherov and frustrating him. In the same way that Washington paid special attention to Tony C with some hits after the whistle and scrums, Boston always does that to Kucherov, and it pisses him off. And you could tell sometimes it gets in his head. But we had righted the ship, and, and we had gotten our effort to a place where we could take over the game in that latter part of the third period, so we walk away with a win. Overall, I, I, I think you know the lineup was the same from game one to game two, except for one defensive position. That was uh, Zach Bogosian sitting after the Washington game, and in, in his place was Jan Ruda in the Boston game. I think Jan Ruda is the better player of the two. He looked good yesterday. He was defensively responsible. There was a, a near breakaway that he cut off after a, a headman turnover. There were a lot of moments where Jan Ruda made simple plays to get us out of the zone. I think he's a more natural fit for Hedman because he's more predictable. Jan's game is more predictable. Hedman can jump in the rush. He can lay back. You don't know what he's going to do and when. He's got superior instincts, so you trust him in that regard. I don't like Zach Bogosian next to him because Zach's all over the place as well. you got to have somebody predictable next to somebody who's a little bit wily. And Jan Ruda fits the bill more for me. The question was, in the game against Boston, how do his feet look? Does he look like he's up to speed? I think Jan Ruda is up to speed. I think he should be paired with Victor Hedman. Andre Vasilevsky, yellow alert on Andre Vasilevsky for something so very simple. We will touch on that in the second part of today's podcast along with the Great Bolt Breakdown. But Vasilevsky, if I have a concern outside of the Stamkos injury uh, storyline, which is now more concerning than it was last week, um, the number one concern is Andre Vasilevsky his fundamentals, and and his mentality. Before we get to the bolt breakdown, talking about Vasilevsky, a quick look at the playoff picture. A reminder, folks, that Bill Curry Ford General Manager Sean Sullivan will help you personally by phone, email, or in person at their giant showroom on Dale Mabry Highway, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. That's the kind of service you get from Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford and owned by the Curry family for the past 60 years. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and you'll see the incredible 0% financing offers for 72 months and the signature nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles. That is at BillCurryFord.com. My thoughts on Andre Vasilevsky, Steven Stamkos, hopefully he draws in on Saturday, a look ahead, a look at the playoff picture, and a little bit more with the Great Bolt Breakdown. This is the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast. Hey, Joe Bolts Fan listeners, we at JoeBucksFan.com are totally enjoying the return of Tom Lang with his great lightning chatter. Subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or the new Google Podcast platform and many others, or you can listen right at JoeBucksFan.com. We always tweet it out. You can follow us at JoeBucksFan to get an alert when the new podcast breaks from Tom Lang and... Thanks again for listening to all the Joe Bucks fan podcasts. Let's get back to Tom. Got to play that for Tyler Johnson. He was in the right place at the right time to secure points three and four for Tampa Bay. 
we cannot finish in fourth in the round robin. So a 4-5 matchup is out. Uh, I saw some erroneous information on Twitter yesterday which showed uh, that the playoff situation was a bracket, much like the NCAA tournament where it's fixed. That's not true. That was the proposed format, and that graphic on Twitter showed that um, Tampa Bay would draw the winner of Columbus and Toronto. The the one seed would draw the 8-9 matchup. Not so. It's going to be reseeded every single round, so Tampa Bay by virtue of not being the fourth seed. We cannot be. Boston's got zero points in two games. We cannot play Pittsburgh should they advance. If we secure a single point in our game against Philadelphia, we will be the two seed. If we secure both points in our matchup against Philadelphia, we will be the one seed. So any loss after regulation, be it an overtime or the shootout, we're locked in to the two. Any kind of win, we're locked into the number one. And also, we have an out in this way. Uh, Washington, obviously, has a couple of games to go. And uh, if they forfeit a single point, we're in good shape there as well. We will be the two seed. So Washington has to win out. We have to lose our game in regulation for us to be in that three spot. Now to Andre Vasilevsky. Okay. He's making a lot of the difficult saves look easy. He's making a lot of the simple plays look ridiculously difficult. The word is out on Andre Vasilevsky. It's yellow alert time for Bolts fans. Traffic in front of the net. Half-hearted shots towards the net. His fundamentals are off. If you take a look at goal number two yesterday as he's searching for the puck, his arms are bowed out like chicken wings. The puck squirts through. It's an easy tap-in to the back of the net. He's had four instances in which goals are scored against him, and he's flailing all over the place. He's fighting the puck from the point. So I would think every team moving forward until he proves beyond a reasonable doubt that he's over it, if they've got a chance where the defenseman has some kind of angle from the point, just to throw it on the net, not a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot, just wrist it towards the net, that is the correct play. He's fighting it. He's got a blind spot of some kind. This is really atypical for him. Uh, usually he swallows the puck up, and in some instances he still does. You could see the body uh, The body work is there. He gets himself in position to receive the puck and freeze the puck. But shoot, this is more than just a one-off bad sequence of three or four minutes against the Capitals in the second period. You saw more of it yesterday against Boston. So uh, any time that... Uh, you know, a third-pair defenseman has the puck on the point and he lets her rip or he just kind of throws it at the net looking for a shin pad, uh, I'm going to hold my breath a little bit because Vasilevsky is not at the top of his game. Last week, it looked like he was going to be. This week, mm, he took a step back. With that in mind, let's go to the great bold breakdown. I'm going to play some of my St. Paul and the Broken Bones. There we go. Let's take a look at all the skaters from yesterday's game against Boston, and I'll give you a two-game summary on each and every one of them right here on the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast brought to you by Bill Curry Ford. Tyler Johnson, he has played fairly well. If you guys follow this podcast in years past, not a big fan of Tyler Johnson, and I think he's he's somebody that if we can find a way to trade, I'd, I'd like to take that money off of the books. But that said, he has been consistent, engaged these first two games, and obviously he gets the game winner yesterday. Cedric Potcat, he's been fine as a fourth liner. 
Uh, he stirs it up. I think his game, compared to a season or two seasons ago, is a hell of a lot more responsible. And when you pair him with the next guy, Patrick Maroon, who looks healthy, engaged, ready to shout down opposing players on the bench, you got yourself a great fourth-line combo. Those two work together quite well. Uh, Alex Kalorn, he had a goal yesterday. It was a bit lucky, a deflector, but he's in the right place at the right time. Get in front of the net, cause screens, and good things will happen. Uh, he actually had two points yesterday. Good job, Alex Kalorn. Looks like a continuation of the productivity of his most productive season in his hockey career. Andre Palat, mainstay on the first line. He plays good defense as well. Uh, set him and forget him. Good player. Barclay Goodrow, I thought he had a better game yesterday. Um, I, I don't like the hit. I don't like the hit that he took two minutes for at the end of the second period. I thought it was dirty. Um, I understand that Tampa has fallen victim to a lot of dirty hits in the past. Uh, I'm not a big fan of us having players like that. I'm just not. If I was to sit anybody for Steven Stamkos, it would be Goudreau, and I'd let Mitchell Stevens continue to play. But you've already heard that. Blake Coleman, nice game yesterday from Coleman. See, there's a difference between intent that's dirty and playing kind of on the line or over the line in scrums. And Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow, if you look at their two games, perfect example. Barclay over the line. Blake Coleman right on the playoff line where you're scrappy. You're getting under the team's skin. That is the most personality I've seen in Coleman's game. Right there yesterday. Love it. Need more of that. Maybe score a goal once in a while. Also would help your, your uh, cause. Uh, Braden Point yesterday, he scored a goal. He wasn't as much of the best player on the ice like he was against Washington, but I think he's our best forward right now. It's not even close. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Okay. Defensively irresponsible, taking odd chances in, in situations that don't call for it. He's been disappointing these first two games. If you want to play with seven defensemen, I think it's because Shattenkirk and, and Sergachev have been disappointing as a third pair. Maybe you try and break them up. I, I don't know. But I have not been impressed with Shattenkirk these two games in the bubble. Ryan McDonough looks healthy. Uh, much, much better. He and Chernak, obviously, they have uh, clairvoyance when it comes to each other's positions. Uh, it's like uh, telepathy. Really like what he's doing. Yanni Gord, much better game yesterday. John Cooper talked about this in the postgame that they wanted to get him in the middle more. When you get up and down the ice, he causes more havoc that way. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's, he's a scrappy player. He's a bottom six forward right now. And in the long term, that contract is a little pricey to me for what he's producing. But, all right, for this postseason, looks like a solid contributor. Jan Ruda, he should be your defenseman with Victor Hedman. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, Mitchell Stevens, another solid game. Didn't score in this one, but that's not his primary objective. I thought he played just fine. Anthony Sorelli, I think he's been disappointing these first couple of games. He's he set a standard for himself that he's not living up to, so he's got to get tightened up a little bit there. Uh, but he's still a really good player for us. You know, he'll break out at any point and score you a critical goal in a swing game in a best-of-seven series. I'm not worried about him, but he has been disappointing. We'll see if he has a better effort against the Flyers on Saturday. Victor Hedman, he's getting up to speed. Uh, he looks fine on the power play, most certainly. In fact, the, mo the best thing about going three-on-three, -three, I think, against Washington was you got more time for Hedman to skate in open ice and just condition. That's all it is with him. Uh, Chernak has been okay. Uh, you know, obviously, this has been a step back year for him. Uh, not not as good of a year as as the one we saw when he first arrived on the scene. But he and McDonough are a solid second pair. Nothing to worry about in that regard. Nikita Kucherov, uh, I thought he was affected a little bit yesterday by by what Boston uh, Boston brought to the table, uh, but 
he's one of your top players. And so just to, if he gets on a roll, you can win a series on his back and his back alone. Sergachev, you know, I praised him last week and I guess I jinxed him. He's been shaky. Uh, he and Shattenkirk don't seem to be on the same page. Sergachev seems to be in no man's land on a lot of decisions. Some in the offensive zone, some in the defensive zone. Could really use him to tighten up his game. And if he can't, if he can't, you could always uh, throw Jan Ruta down with Shattenkirk or, or bring in seven defensemen and drop a forward overall. And you could play Braden Coburn out there and rotate some guys in the bottom pairing uh, to shore up defensively what we're doing. But I just, that third pair of Sergachev and and Shattenkirk looks a hell of a lot more like a third pair, which is the group that you go, oh, no, they're stuck out there, than they did in the regular season. They were a set-it-and-forget-it type. Right now, not so much. That is the Great Bolt Breakdown on the Joe Boltz Fan Podcast. And I didn't mention Zach Bogosian. He was okay, but I don't think he's um, – I, I just don't think he's the sixth defenseman material. I think it's it's a nice experiment to have, get get his legs underneath him, and if you need some grit in a series, maybe you let him draw in for one out of six, one out of seven. Uh, but I'd rather have Jan Ruda in there. There's no doubt. Next on Steven Stamkos, give me 10 seconds. So Steven Stamkos, I told you last week my intel was he'd be fine, and maybe he still is, but I'm concerned. I would think that maybe you don't want him to play two games in 52 hours' time with Boston and Washington. and you know, If that's not the case, then you let him play one of them, and then he plays on Saturday against Philadelphia, and that way he is acclimated and ready to go for the postseason. But they decided against that. Um, he's practicing with the team. We'll see if he draws in Saturday against Philadelphia. I would think you'd need at least one tune-up. I don't think you want to play, I don't know, potential teams that we could see, Columbus, Toronto, the New York Islanders. Do you really want to play your first game against those groups that are going to be staunch defensively? Because at that point, what are you playing, 12, 15 minutes? Hopefully we see Stamkos on Saturday, but uh, I'm more concerned than I was last week. Maybe He's not as healthy and ready to go as, as was led on. Uh, some scores and, uh, and updates on the standings in the best-of-five series. So the Panthers won yesterday. That would be Wednesday afternoon. 3-2, to two, they beat the Islanders to force a game four in their best-of-five. The Coyotes lead the Predators two games to one through three games. They were 4-1 winners yesterday. The Montreal Canadiens, there you go again. Shock Pittsburgh, 4-3. to three. The Pens were up 3-1 to one in this game. Montreal storms back to tie it before the second intermission. They score in the third. Jeff Petrie again. Montreal leads that series two games to one. Game four of that one will be Friday night. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks lead the Edmonton Oilers. 5-12 curse from college basketball to hockey. Is it real? 4-3, to three, the Blackhawks beat the Oilers. Uh, the Avalanche beat the Stars yesterday in the round robin. They beat them 4 to nothing. The Stars have goaltending issues. And today's games include at 2.30 p.m., the Canucks and the Wild. That series is one game apiece. The Leafs and the Jackets, I'm very interested in this. This is a, a gritty, uh, no-space-to-operate series. It's a fun one to watch if you've got some spare time. That series tied 1-1, one one, game 3 tonight, 8 p.m. The Flames look to eliminate the Jets tonight. That's a 10.30 puck drop. And uh, those are the elimination games. Today, there are also two round-robin games. The Caps and the Flyers, if the Caps come away with an overtime loss, Shootout loss or regulation loss. Tampa can only be the one or the two seed. And then out in the West, 
the Knights and the Blues play. Goodbye to the Rangers. The Carolina Hurricanes swept. They move on. And there's a hell of a lot more hockey between today and the next time we talk. In fact, we'll know our first-round opponent at that point. So much to have gotten to today. I hope I didn't race through it too fast for you guys. But I'm just thankful to be talking about hockey and breaking it down again. The storylines to watch for on Saturday again. Steven Stamkos. uh, Will he play? Will he not? If Vasilevsky plays in this game, John Cooper led on he wants to get some time for McElhaney. So let's just say it's two periods for Vassy, one period for McElhaney. Um, How does Vassy look on perimeter shots? That's the only weakness in his game right now. The development for the sixth defenseman, who is going to play next to Victor Hedman? My hope is it's Jan Ruda. And then also, if Stamkos does play, who's out? Is it Stevens? Probably. I wish it wasn't. Is it Goodrow? I hope so. And I hope Stevens draws in. This has been the Joe Bolts Fan Podcast. Saturday's puck drop is unknown right now in terms of what time the Lightning are going to play the Flyers. Eliminations will dictate the TV schedule. And then the next time we talk to you on Thursday, August 13th, we probably will have at least played one game in the next round. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's edition. Thanks again to the folks at Bill Curry Ford and General Manager Sean Sullivan. We will talk to you next time.